I don't know, the, the, the God-haters, though liberal, haven't messed up Thanksgiving. You know, we've tried on all of the other special days, and it seems like everybody is fighting to knock out anything that's Christian. But Thanksgiving, we have in America, it's still here. Let me especially encourage you to be thankful for what you have. There are so many people around the world who don't have what we have. And unless you've been in third world countries, unless you've been able to travel, you haven't seen that. We, have, we are so blessed in America. We are so blessed here in Douglas. And so many times we fail to give praise to God for that. One person said that if we could only view the stars one night out of the year, every year there would be millions of people taking advantage to look at those stars. But we've grown so accustomed to the stars being there until we no longer pay it any attention. We let our blessings become so prevalent that we overlook them. What we would complain about in America, in other countries, they would thank God for. Let me remind you, if you have food in your refrigerator, if you have clothes on your back, if you have a roof overhead, and you have a place to sleep, you're richer than 75% of the world. If you have money in the bank, no matter how small it is, if you have money in your wallet, maybe spare change in a dish somewhere around the house, you're among the top 8% of the world's wealthy. I had a missionary tell me one time I was driving my car. It wasn't a new car. It's just an old car. And he said, you know, in South America... If you had this car, you would be considered rich. Made me stop and think. If you woke up this morning with more health than illness, you are more blessed than the million who will not even survive the week. If you have never experienced the danger of battle, the loneliness of imprisonment, the agony of torture, or the pangs of starvation, you are ahead of 500 million people in the world today. If you can attend church meetings without fear of harassment, without fear of arrest, or torture, or death, you are more blessed than 3 billion people in the world today. Throughout our history, we have been blessed. We are blessed more than any other country. If you're living in America itself, 
is a blessing. If your parents are still alive and still married, you are very rare, even in the United States today. If you hold up your head with a smile, a smile on your face, and you are truly thankful, you're blessed because the majority of us can, but a lot of people don't. If you can hold someone's hand this morning, or you can give them a hug, or even touch them on the shoulder, you're blessed because you can offer a healing touch. If you can read a simple message, you're doubly blessed. You are more blessed than over 2 billion people in the world today who can't read at all. Count your blessings. And that's what I'm speaking on today is count your blessings and remind everyone else to count their blessings. Throughout the year, be thankful to God who has blessed you so much. Psalm 95, verses 1 and 2 says, Oh, come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving and make a joyful noise unto him with psalms. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Every time we kneel in prayer, that prayer should begin with thanksgiving. Thank you, God, for everything that you've done. Thank you for all of your blessings. Thank you for keeping your hand on me. Thank you for keeping your hand on this church. We need to count our blessings. We look back at how all of this started. You know, Thanksgiving is not a time for the whole world. It's in the United States. And if you travel any, you'll find out, especially during this time of year, you won't see other countries with a day of Thanksgiving. It's just another day. But President Reagan said, talking about our nation's motto, In God We Trust, which a lot of people are even trying to remove from our, our money now, from our nation. He said, This motto was not taken lightly. It reflects a basic recognition that there is a divine authority in the universe to which this nation pays homage. We have a God who blesses us. He said, throughout all of history, Americans have put their faith in God. And no one can doubt that God has blessed us for it. The earliest settlers to this land came in search of religious freedom. Landing on a very desolate shoreline, they established a spiritual foundation that has served us ever since. They were not willing to bow down to tyrants. Our forefathers were always willing to get on their knees and pray. If problems came up, the first thing they did was fall on their knees and pray. 
when catastrophe threatened, they turned to God for deliverance. When the harvest was bountiful, their first thought was turn to God for thanksgiving, to thank him for the abundance. Author Stephen Sumrall went on to talk about this back in 1621. And I quote, he said, Encouraging as were many of the developments among the pilgrims, they experienced much sadness, but they suffered their way through to thanksgiving, brimming over with gratitude as a result of abundant crops in the summer of 1621. Crops that produced more than enough corn to see them through their second winter in America. Governor Bradford declared a public day of thanksgiving to which the Indians were invited. Chief Massasoit was a remarkable example of God's providence, care for his pilgrims, he goes on to say. The chief and 89 other Indians joined the pilgrims in feasting on venison, wild turkey, vegetables from the gardens, and pies. It was a very joyous occasion, and they competed in games and merrymaking and in prayer. He went on to emphasize, even though they had endured great hardship, God had been good to them, and they recognized it, and they wanted to thank God for it. Reading in the American People's Encyclopedia goes on with the history of this. In 1623, Governor Bradford issued a proclamation establishing there would be a day of thanksgiving. And let me read to you what he wrote in this. He declared, Inasmuch as the Great Father has given us this year an abundant harvest of Indian corn, wheat, peas, beans, squashes, and garden vegetables, and has made the forest to abound with game, and the sea with fish and clams, and inasmuch as he has protected us from the ravages of the savages, has spared us from pestilence and disease, and he has granted us freedom to worship God according to the dictates of our conscience. And he went on and said, For rendering thanksgiving to the Almighty for all of his blessings. In other words, for what God has done for us, we thank him. And thereafter, through the colonial period, uh, there in New England, they, they recognized this through the, revolu through the revolution, and they wanted a national day of thanksgiving. The governors sort of oversaw this. But in 19, or 1789, President George Washington issued the first presidential proclamation for thanksgiving to be observed on Thursday, November the 26th. But he didn't do it again until... 1795, and then in 1815, after the War of Twelve, President Madison set aside a holiday in November. After that, nearly 50 years, the custom was alive, and the, and the proclamations of the governors ruled the states, and they had this particular Thanksgiving recognized it, but still it wasn't a national the establishment of Thanksgiving Day as a national festival came after a lifelong uh, campaign for a particular widow by the name of Mrs. Sarah J. Hale. In 1863, she urged Abraham Lincoln to have a special day of proclamation for Thanksgiving, and she won his support. 
On October 3rd, 1863, Lincoln issued a national thanksgiving proclamation. We still have that today. We are still celebrating that today. And we're still giving thanks to God for that. Thanksgiving is one holiday that the liberals haven't messed up. They've tried to take away Christmas, especially by, by making all of the tinsels and the lights. And it's so commercial that now you, you can't say Merry Christmas in a lot of places. Now it has become just another holiday. And they call it holiday greetings or season's greetings. But Christmas is taking been taken out of it. But I, I want to tell you this morning, don't let the Christ rejectors take Christ out of Christmas. It's coming up. If you, everywhere you go this Christmas, say Merry Christmas, smile. For every Muslim you meet, say Merry Christmas. For every liberal you meet, say Merry Christmas. For every person you meet, say Merry Christmas. And never use the word Xmas. Don't take Christ out of Christmas, but leave him in there. That's what Christmas is all about. But right now we're talking about Thanksgiving. Thanking the Lord for his abundant blessings. I know that America is far from perfect. I know that and you know that. We have our problems and you've seen it through the past couple of weeks uh, with all, all of the uh, events going on on TV with the impeachment and things of that nature. I mean, you see that. But yet with all of our flaws, with all of our problems, with all of our national sins, America is still the home of freedom and still the hope for America. There were a couple of Cuban refugees who were talking. One of them was a, a businessman. And they were talking and giving their story. And, and all of a sudden they stopped and one of them said, you know, we are really blessed. We are lucky. And the businessman looked at him and said, you are blessed. I am blessed because I had a place to escape to. He's talking about escaping to America. If America ever falls, where will people escape to? Have you, can you think of any other country you'd rather be in right now? With its problems, with its faults, with its failures, and everything else, I still thank God that I can live in a country where I am country like the United States of America. Remember the old song that says, When upon life's bellows you are tempest-tossed, when you are discouraged thinking all is lost, count your many blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. Count your blessings, name them one by one, count your blessings, see what God has done. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your many blessings. See what God has done. Psalm 95, 2 says, come before his presence with thanksgiving. In these few moments this morning, I, there's a lot of things that I could preach on to be thankful for. 
But I'm just going to narrow it down to three. I could say that I am thankful for a wife that probably is the best in the world. I could thank God that I met Bonnie many years ago. And I could uh, thank God for all of the many people in my life through the ministry in the various states who supported me in ministry. I could thank God for those. I could thank God for each one of you in this church. But I want to just narrow it down to three things that not only should I thank God for, but every person in this church should thank God for because it's something that not only affects me, but it affects everybody here. First, I want to thank God for His Word, for the Bible. Without the Bible, we'd have no roadmap. Without the Bible, we'd have no guide. The Bible was given for inspiration. The very words of the Hebrew and the Greek scriptures were breathed out by the Spirit of God. And without the Bible, we wouldn't know the Trinity. Without the Bible, we wouldn't be introduced to salvation. I thank God for His Word. And we in America have Bibles all over our houses. But when you go overseas, there are many people who are just looking for a Bible. They would love to have a Bible. Like the, the old Korean gentleman I preached here a few weeks ago. There in South Korea, I entered the shop. And all he had was that one little old Bible that was worn out. And he came over to me, and we were talking, and, and he had broken English. And he said, I read. I read. I not understand but I read. How many of us have Bibles at our houses? How many of you have more than one Bible in your house? How many of you have more than five Bibles in your house? Look at the hands. We are so blessed to have God's Word that we can read. And if I were to ask you to raise your hands, how many of you have set us out a time to read it this week? the hands would, would dwindle. Why? Because we are so blessed, we take things for granted. All of the goodness that comes to us every day, we have a place to work. We have a car to drive. We have a house to live in. We have food. God has blessed us with a beautiful church. We can come when we want to. We are not afraid that... Uh, we're going to be chastised. The government's not going to hold us back. We're not going to be sent to jail or prison. We can come when we want to. The most, but the sad part is a lot of people just don't want to. Why? Because we're so blessed. We're so blessed we take it for granted. And all the goodness that God gives to us, we take it. For granted, this holy book is what leads us in righteousness. 
Psalm 119 and 105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Psalm 1997, Oh, how love I thy law. It is my meditation all the day. David said in 119.89, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. In Psalm 119.130, The entrance of thy words giveth light. It giveth understanding unto the simple. Psalm 119 and 140, thy word is very pure, therefore thy servant loves it. Psalm 119 and 115, depart from me, you evildoers, for I will keep the commandments of my God. Psalm 119 I have more understanding than all of my teachers, for the testimonies are my meditation. Psalm 119, 46, I will speak of thy testimonies also before kings and will not be ashamed. 119.11, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Psalm 119.7.10, more to be desired than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb is your word. The Bible is what leads us to Jesus. The Bible is what guides us through this life. The Bible is what gives us strength in weakness. The Bible is what gives us hope when it seems like everything else is hopeless. The Bible is what gives us wisdom in a world of foolishness. I thank God for His Word, that we have His Word that we can go by. The second thing I want to mention is I thank God for Jesus Himself. Jesus, the Savior, my Savior, the only begotten Son of God. In Ephesians 2, 12 through 15, it says that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you are, you who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in his ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace. Even when we were dead in our sins, hath quickened us together for Christ. By grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Jesus Christ. I thank God for the Bible. I thank God for his word. But I thank God for Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He said, let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. If you travel to around the world, you won't have the privilege that you have here in knowing the Lord Jesus Christ. John 3, 16 is a, is a scripture probably everybody in here can quote. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I thank God for the blood of Jesus. 
Why am I specifying the blood? Because in so many churches today, it means the blood is being removed. The blood is being taken out. But without the blood of Jesus, there's no cleansing from sin because it's the blood of Jesus that cleanses us. And I thank God for his son and for the blood of Jesus. And the third thing I want to thank him for is our church. For the Bible, for God's Son and salvation, and for the church. I thank God for this church. I love this church. I love the people in this church. In July of 2015, World Magazine had a photograph of a Nigerian pastor standing in the front of his church that had been bombed out. It had been bombed by the Boko Haram Muslims. Just before the Muslims came, the pastor placed his head, hands on the head of every child, and he said this, according to the article. He said, when they come, never deny Jesus. If they kill your parents, never deny Jesus. If they take away your individual person to the Sambesi forest, never deny Christ. And it wasn't long after he said that, they heard someone yelling, they're coming. And then the bullets started flying. The associate pastor was shot and killed. At least 40 of the church members were killed in the onslaught that night. The other people ran off into the, the, the forest, out into the surrounding wilderness to hide. The Muslims held the town for the next five months. Finally, in February of 2015, the military took the town back. The pastor came back, and he was looking at his torched, bombed-out church, and he found a corpse riding under a tree. He walked into one of the bombed-out rooms, and he saw only ashes, and he stood there, and he started crying. He said, this was my library. I collected those books for 29 years. He said he cried for two weeks until God finally gave him peace. An estimated 13,000 people, mostly Christians, had been slaughtered. Women had been ravaged. Girls had been kidnapped. It was the worst campaign persecution in the 21st century. And this was in Nigeria back in 2015. Probably didn't hear much about it on the news. But the Christians remained. The pastor said, God didn't make a mistake in placing us here. It is our heart's desire that the church will remain here until Jesus returns. The Muslims shot a man's wife and then butchered him with a machete. He lived with a missing right arm and with three children without a mother. 
When Christian workers went in and they asked him, how could we pray for you? And he said this, pray that I will stand fast. Pray that I will stand fast. A woman whose husband and two sons were killed, and she herself survived a, uh, an attack with a machete. She had wounds across her neck and across her face. And they asked her, how can we pray for you? She said, pray that I will hold on to Christ with both hands. We have it so easy in America. We are so blessed in America that we take it for granted. We only fight the devil, right? And the devil sits on our shoulders and he whispers, Oh, you don't have to do that. You don't have to sacrifice your life for Christ. Oh, you don't have to uh, give too much. You don't have to be a fanatic about it. You don't have to lose your life about it. Oh, you don't have to go to church. You don't have to pray. You don't have to read the Bible. This is the way the devil works on us. You don't have to do this. You're too tired. You don't need to go to church tonight. You're too tired. you got other plans. Oh, think about all the other things you could be doing. But yet we are so blessed, so blessed that we've taken it for granted. We can go to church. We choose not to. We can pray. We choose not to. We can read the Word. We choose not to. We are a blessed people. And when you visit other countries, you begin to see this, how blessed we are. And then we become so blessed, and we overlook the blessings. And when we do that, it becomes critical because we begin complaining, and we begin grumbling, and we begin to look at other people has it better than I do. Oh, other people are better off than I am. You remember the children of Israel? You remember when they came out of Egypt? You remember uh, after they came out of Egypt and God sent manna to them and fed them? He sent manna from heaven every day, a miracle from God. And you know what the children of Israel did? It became so complacent about it, they began to say, Oh, no. Here's this manna again. All I can see is manna. All we've had to eat is manna. And God was blessing them the whole time. And then they began to say, become, started getting very critical. Well, those in Egypt have it better than we do. We had it better when we were in Egypt. We had it better when we had uh, all of the, the fruits to eat. We had good meals. They had forgotten about the slavery. And we are so blessed, we become so complacent until we begin to grumble about the very blessings that God is giving us. Coleman, that's kind of hard. No, that's truth. We are so blessed in America. I thank God for this church. 
for the, for the church of God, for the church worldwide. But I thank God especially for this church. He has blessed us through the years, brought us through the highs and the lows, brought us through everything to where we are right now. We have services Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. We can come and we can praise the Lord and we can be a part of it if we want to. And I don't have to worry about the law coming to put me in jail because I'm serving the Lord. We're blessed. What I'm, what I'm saying this morning is we are a blessed people. Count your blessings. Don't let the devil cheat you out of your blessings. But I don't have a lot. You have more than millions and millions and millions of people in the world today. Count the blessings that you have. Why is giving thanks so important? Why is it important? We can have thankful hearts toward God even when we're not thankful for the circumstance. We can grieve and still give thanks. We can hurt and still give thanks. We can be angry at sin and still give thanks. That's what is referred to as the sacrifice of praise. And you sung that song, we bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. There are seven things that our grateful heart can do. It gets our eyes off of ourselves and it helps us to focus on Jesus. It reminds us we are not in control, but that we serve a mighty God who is. It helps us to recognize we have so much to be thankful for, even all of the little things which often we may forget to thank him for. It reminds us that God is the giver of all gifts. We were never intended to be fully self-sufficient. A heart of gratitude leaves no room for complaining, for it's impossible to truly be thankful and be filled with negativity at the same time. It makes the enemy flee. The forces of darkness can't stand to be around hearts that give thanks it opens up the door for continued blessings. It invites His presence. Our spirits are refreshed and renewed in Him. Giving thanks will make you a better person. How often do you give thanks? Would you stand with me? Counting your blessings. Are we truly thankful for what has God, God has done for us. Are we truly thankful? One person said, actions speak louder than words. We say things sometimes, but we never show it. But we need to show it to God. We need to thank Him for what He's already done for us. We need to thank Him for what He's doing right now. We need to thank Him for life itself. And what I want us to do this morning, I just want us, if you will, to come around this altar, and I want us to give thanksgiving to God. 
I want us to thank him for his blessings and for all that he's given us. Would you come on down?